Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burgoon campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you called us to follow you. And not only that you called us to follow you once, but you keep calling us over and over and over to keep following you. That over time we might become more and more like you. That you might do your transforming work in us to make us more and more like Jesus. So Lord, as we look into your word today and look into the subject of selflessness, Lord, I pray that you would open your word to our hearts and open our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Paul. Let me add my welcome also and my welcome to those who are joining us online also. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here, and it's my privilege, my great privilege to share with you this morning this last opportunity. And just to say it's been an absolute privilege to have served in this way in the church over the past 10 years and be part of the pastoral team here at Mount Pleasant. Just a reminder also that MIM has put some resources together online for families to help our families nurture the growth of their spiritual growth of their children. So please avail yourself to that, families either online or families can do that during the week at home. And you'll find that on the website under the Sunday at Home button. So this morning we continue our series entitled Being Like Jesus. And our focus this week is the word selfless. As has been said before, and Graham mentioned this morning, undergirding this whole series, and as a focus of 2022, is that we both individually and as a church discover and experience more of the love of Christ. The Apostle Paul, as Graham read earlier, says in Ephesians, and this is from a different translation, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, how high his love really is, and to experience this love for yourselves. It's as we know and experience Christ's love, more of Christ's love, that we're enabled to love one another the more. And one of the defining characteristics of that love is that it is selfless, which is our topic for today. So what does it mean to be selfless? Well, here's a pretty basic definition. Being selfish is putting your own needs ahead of others, often to their detriment. Being selfless is putting others' needs ahead of your own, often to your own detriment. Today, I think you'd all agree that we live in a pretty selfish, self-centered, self-gratifying culture. It's often more about our rights than the good of the whole. Being the goat, the greatest of all time, is the goal of so many. Amazingly, 54% of teenagers in America, apparently, want for a career to be a celebrity. All about me. Selfishness is part of fallen human nature. From earliest of ages, children vie for their parents' attention in equal or greater amounts than their siblings. 
They always want to be the winner. And you probably know playing games with young children can be a harrowing experience often. When a couple get married, they quickly become aware of their selfishness. And then if they have children, they discover another level of previously unrealised selfishness as they deal with and adjust to the many demands of parenthood, both day and night. We live in a society where the pursuit of our own happiness is first and foremost, often at the expense of others. We're urged to climb the ladder of ambition, to seek the highest paying jobs, to be first in the queue. The selfishness of our society is displayed in advertising on our TV screens. The advertising of alcohol, gambling, junk food, or inappropriate explicit scenes of um, upcoming shows and when, um, during children's hours, and we see these inappropriate scenes. The little warning at the bottom of the screen or at the end of the ad, that tiny little warning with the red box around it, is there to tell everyone, we know there's danger in this, we know it, either addiction or health problems or broken families. But the truth is, these people who sell these products and the TV stations would rather get rich than care about society. Selfish. Many rules in our families and laws in our society are attempts to restrain the human desire to be selfish, to have what I want, do what I want, go where I want, whenever I want, do it however I want, regardless of who it affects. Such selfishness is displayed on our roads and in car parks and communities, we got, and communities that don't effectively accomplish, yeah, like here, that don't effectively accomplish the task of restraint quickly self-destruct, as do families. In a crisis like COVID at the moment, we often see the best and worst of selfishness. I think COVID's brought great displays of selflessness, especially in the medical sector. But selfishness is seen as differing opinions become more important than unity and love, and we see that with demonstrations and all sorts of things like that. These things ought not to be so in the church. Yet sadly, selfishness and selfish ambition plague us all. Decisions can be made that are more about ourselves than the kingdom of God. Churches fall apart or disunity arises where people are adamant to have their own way, often over insignificant things, where their opinion is most important, where their selfish ways are more a concern to them than the good of the whole. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we firstly about the advancement of the gospel, about loving one another and about unity, or are, or, or are we more about keeping the things the way we like it, our agendas, settling in our preferred social groups, making our lives comfortable. The Apostle Paul said, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And about greatness, Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. In God's kingdom, 
the greatest of all time, became the servant of all. So what did the selflessness of Jesus look like? Jesus was nearing the time of his death, his laying down of his life. He was about to share a meal with his disciples who started arguing amongst themselves who is the greatest, who was the most important. If the disciples had really understood and really comprehended the selflessness that Jesus was calling them to, they would never have argued with one another about who was the greatest. Jesus overheard their prideful hearts and observed their dirty feet. And in the disciples' desire for greatness, they missed the opportunity to wash the feet of the Lord Jesus. Dr. Merrill Tenney, professor of New Testament, says they, that is the disciples, were ready to fight for a crown, but not for a towel. So Jesus, God incarnate, got up and demonstrated what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. He took off his outer robe, picked up a towel, wrapped it around his waist, knelt down and started to wash the disciples' feet. This was shocking in the time. Only a slave would ordinarily wash feet. But this act was a cameo of Jesus' whole life, a life of self-giving and sacrifice. He was the selfless servant king. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. No servant is greater than his master. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus' greatness was evidenced in a life of humility and selflessness, and his ultimate selflessness demonstrated as he died on a cross, taking the sin of the world upon his shoulders. So what does this mean for us? How does our identity as children of God, followers of Jesus, those seeking to be like Jesus, call us to a life of selflessness? Our reading today is from Philippians 2, verses 3 to 8. So let's hear the words of Paul from Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Into a culture where pagans prized honour and fame, usually built on the backs of others, where humility was regarded as weakness only for slaves or inferiors, Paul exhorts the believers at Philippi to have the same mindset as Christ, to do nothing out of selfish ambition, 
not to be self-centred or self-obsessed or self-promoting or obsessed with their own advantage, but rather to, in humility, value others more than themselves, to regard others, to look to the interest of others and, and consider how what they do will affect others. This was to be the paradigm of their attitude and behaviour, and it's also to be ours. Of course, we will never do what Jesus did. Only he died on the cross for the world. But we are called to have the same attitude of humility. We too are called to a life of servanthood, which in the end is not so much about what we do, but who we are, servants of the Most High God not doormats. We're loved by God. We're not needing to earn or prove anything, but because of his great selfless love that he showed towards us, we in turn are to love him and others selflessly. Rick Warren said, thousands of books have been written about leadership, but very few on servanthood. And we read in 1 John, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers, for one another. This is not generally the way of the successful of this world where we're told that our dreams, our aspirations, our desires, our hopes are the most important things in our life where the marks of human success are often dependent on self-promotion. This is the opposite of the way of the king who took off his robes, got, off his, got on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. Following the call of Jesus into selflessness is never easy, despite how well-intentioned we might be. Remember Peter's bold statement that he would lay down his life for Jesus and a short time later he denied even knowing him. Words are relatively easy to utter, even our best intended words. We cannot do this selfless life by sheer willpower, but by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And subtly, even our serving can sometimes be more about us, as we proudly feel we've done our bit given our measured time or resources and expect some sort of recognition or reward in, in return. Perhaps our attitude is best tested when we're not acknowledged or when someone else gets the credit or when God allows divine interruptions to our serving. Remember the story of the good Samaritan. It was the despised Samaritan who selflessly went out of his way to help the injured man at great inconvenience and cost to himself. Whereas the priest and the Levite were too busy with their own important religious to-do list to stop and help. It's so easy for us to be like this. Or what about the other time when Jesus spoke about the pride of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, those who make their phylacteries wide and the tassel on their, tassels on their garments long, who love the place of honour and the most important seats at the banquets and who love to be greeted and noticed in the marketplace? In this image, the next image is, this is the phylactery, this little box on the forehead, which contained scripture verses. And it was a sign of honouring the scriptures as you carried around the scriptures in this little box during the day. 
If your little box was bigger than the person next to you, it showed you had a little bit more of the scripture on your mind, a little bit holier. So the next person would make their box a little bit bigger. And phylactery boxes got wider and wider in the need to be noticed, to get credit and to get honour for oneself. To this behaviour, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. A selfless person doesn't need to be noticed. And because their attention is not on themselves, they have space to notice the needs of others, to see and care about and act on the needs they see around them. It's in everyday life, in humility, firstly open to the Holy Spirit, not by sheer hard work, that we let Christ, by the Spirit, teach us how to live this selfless life. Humility doesn't need we let go of all our ambitions, but we firstly give ourselves to the greater ambition of God. And he will give us new desires as we increasingly have the same selfless attitude as Jesus. Some years ago when Simon and I were studying in Canada, we did a study on the book of Proverbs, which is a book all about godly wisdom and godly practical living. We did it with Professor Bruce Walkie, who's an Old Testament and Hebrew scholar, member of the Committee of Bible Translation of the NIV and New American Standard, has spent 30 years working in this book of Proverbs, so he knows a little bit about this book. And he sums up the wisdom of Proverbs with this proverb. The wicked advantage themselves by disadvantaging others. The righteous disadvantage themselves to advantage others. This is about living a selfless life. Jesus lived his life as a supreme example of the righteousness as personified in Proverbs. He became poor that we might become rich. He humbled himself to death on a cross so we might have eternal life. He disadvantaged himself to advantage the whole world. When we live out this kind of relationship, of course, out of relationship with Jesus, in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God was always foundational to the ethics and actions. Then when we live out this way, it affects all our relationships and behaviours, how we treat one another, how we honour one another, how we care for one another, how we encourage one another, pray for one another, bear with one another, how we give up our personal preferences or our rights for the good of all, how we go out of our way for one another. Professor Wolke gave us an example of this from his own life. He lived in an apartment in the United States and he had just refloored his apartment. Soon afterwards, he received a complaint from the people who lived in the apartment underneath him that as a result of his new flooring, their apartment was now very, very noisy. So after he unsuccessfully tried to rectify this, he decided it was more important to love his neighbour than to have the flooring he really wanted. So he replaced all his floors at great expense to himself. He disadvantaged himself to advantage his neighbour. Selfless. Well, guess what happened a few months later? he received the same complaint again. And I think here is a really, really important point when we talk about selflessness. 
Professor Walkie importantly adds that there's a moderation to how much we disadvantage ourselves to prevent excessive extremes. In Ecclesiastes 7.16, we read another wisdom book, do not be overly righteous, neither overly wise. And this is an important caveat in regards to selflessness, particularly for those of us with sensitive consciences. There are limitations. Jesus, again, is our supreme example of selflessness, but he didn't bow to every demand. He did have a life of balance. He took time to rest, to sleep, to eat, to pray, to be with those he loved, to be alone. He lived in recognition of his own humanity and the needs and constraints that that brings. We do need to recognise and respond to our own needs. In fact, some translations in Philippians say, you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves as though our lives don't matter or abandoning our family responsibilities, but about not thinking of ourselves with pride and selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather as servants of the Most High God. As we offer our lives as living sacrifices in service as servants of the Most High God, he will faithfully lead and teach and change us into his likeness as we cooperate with him. Our repeated choosing to selflessly follow Jesus changes our habits. Our repeated acts of servanthood and selflessness, most often in small daily things, transform us little by little. Brian Rosner, in his book, Known by God, says something really helpful, or that I find really helpful here. He says, as well as having your identity, that is your identity as servants of God, drive your behaviour, that is determine how you act, your behaviour, your repeated acts of servanthood, can alter your identity Increasingly, you become who you really are as servants of God. He says, as C.S. Lewis observes, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. So we need to keep choosing, keep choosing, keep choosing selflessness in the many small choices we make. And serving somewhere is a good start. We can all do something. The life of Mother Teresa is testimony to her choosing over and over and over again a selfless life, a life of selfless service and devotion to the poor and the dying. She truly did lay down her life. We are called to have the same attitude, but not necessarily do the same thing. There are so many examples of selflessness in our church family all around us, mostly unnoticed because that's what true servanthood is all about. But as an encouragement, I just want to mention a few. Many of you enjoyed the beautiful Christmas tree we had in the foyer at Christmas time, and many families had a photo taken in front of that Christmas tree. But 
there were only a few men who went out there with blood, sweat and tears to chop down and carry that tree in the heat of the day. It was a really hot day so that we could all enjoy that special tree in the foyer, selfless. What about Mia? Mia had just got her dream job at WAPA and was asked about a job in the college. And she knew the Lord was calling her to this much more humble job in our college than a job at WAPA. But in service to the Most High God, she was obedient to God and followed his call to serve in the college. An example of selflessness. What about our Christmas lunch? A group of people who could have just enjoyed their lunch together, but selflessly opened their hearts to include others. This, of course, involved much more work, but that's what love does. What about our street chaplains, our prison workers, and so many others that do selfless serving work that others might know the love of Jesus? And I just want to give a shout out now to Annie Jen online. Annie Jen will be watching and someone will be watching with her. So hi, Annie Jen. We just want to say hello to you this morning. And we miss not having you sitting right here with us. But I just want to honour and acknowledge those who have selflessly served Annie Jen over the years, either by bringing her to services week by week or going to visit week by week. Selfless service in love of God and in love of Jen. And um, I know Jen really appreciates that. So we miss you, Jen. And what about down at Thornley? There's been so much selfless work done down there. And there's still opportunity to selflessly serve there by maybe visiting occasionally or maybe prayerfully considering if God is calling you to be part of what is happening there, even for a year or two, as a support to those who are starting that new work. It's most often in the everyday circumstances of our life that we're provided opportunity to grow in having the same selfless mindset as Christ. And we have a choice to choose our way or his way. Years ago, I'd been a stay-at-home mum with four children for a lot of years. And when my youngest daughter went to high school, I was looking forward to doing something just for me. My nursing registration had slipped and I'd wanted to study theology for a long time, so that seemed like the course of action to take. And I was really excited to be learning again and doing some of my own work rather than my kids' assignments. And so um, I was just really ready to do, and this was going to definitely be my time. Well, I'd only done a few months' study when my much younger sister, sister than I, had her first child who was born with a severe disability, and she needed a tracheostomy at three months of age, which she had for the rest of her life. And have we got the next slide? This is my little niece, Ellie, and I'll be careful not to look at my family here, or else we might lose it. But my sister lived in the country and spent many, many months staying at the hospital or living with us where she could be closer to medical care. Her husband took time off work, but of course had to go back to work. He needed to keep working. And I felt God nudging me to postpone my study and be more available to support my sister. Not just going to the hospital, but to be available to look after her. She needs specialised care 24 hours a day. 
I absolutely wanted to help her. I, I loved this little girl, but I was so compromised because I selfishly really wanted to do what I wanted to do also. After all, this was my time that I'd been waiting for. With reluctance, I deferred my studies, knowing that was what God required of me. And sadly to say, I quietly whinged to God. But 18 months later, when my little niece passed away, I'm so thankful that the Lord gave me the privilege of spending that short time in that way. I was selfish, but God knew better. And I did finish that study. My dreams were not wrong, but my attitude needed transforming. And in fact, in God's timing, I got to do way more than I could have even imagined in that way. You will know that Simon and I finish our role in a week's time. What you might not know is that um, when Simon took this role, the role he was, he's in 10 years ago, he didn't want to do that job. He was actually wanting to work in the uh, marketplace or in some parachurch organisation, and he'd actually been warned, don't get stuck in the church. So it was only after five people separately came to see him to specifically ask him to apply for this job that he put in an application a day before they closed. And when he went to talk with those who were interviewing, he outrightly said, I'm not sure this job is for me, and if it's not for me, it won't be for the church, good for the church. So let's try and discern this together. Of course, as you know, he took the job. Then when he started it, I know he regularly said, I'll give it five years. And here we are 10 years later. And I know he would say it's been a blessed time for him. He had a choice to do what he wanted or follow the call to servanthood. And I know he would say he's thankful that he chose the second. It was just over six months before that, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> when, <clears throat> when I was asked to serve in the role that I've had here, I was asked in November and I was to start at the end of January. And in that time, my mum became critically ill from a surgical error following relatively simple surgery. Again, she lives in the country and she'd been in hospital for about five weeks and she was discharged from hospital on the exact day I started this job. She had to remain in Perth, living with us for about four months while her wounds healed, having nurses visit every day. Now, I'd done heaps of volunteer work over the years, but this was my first paid job in about 25 years. And I remember feeling really peeved with God. You know, this selfish thinking, this is my time to do something for you. And you allow this to happen right now at this time. My attitude was not unlike the priest or the Levite who passed by, caught up in their own self-importance, except this was no stranger for me. Again, my unrealized self-centered attitude was exposed and this divine interruption revealed how subtly even my serving can be about me. Thankfully, God doesn't give up on any of us, and he keeps exposing our sinfulness and our selfishness as we seek to be more like him. So we have a choice. We can be selfish and demand what we want, and we quite often get it, maybe success in our work or greater wealth. 
But we cannot demand the most important things in life, a renewed and transformed life, or our eternal reward with Christ himself. It's only as we selflessly give ourselves to Jesus and follow his call to love him and one another that this transformation occurs. So what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies to us? To offer ourselves, all of ourselves, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. To not be conformed to the selfishness of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we might have the same attitude as Christ. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.